the Lord spoke to my heart and said, when you try to perform, it actually subtracts from who you really are. It's adding stuff on top of who I made you to be. And he said, you are enough. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. Today on the Kindling Fire, I have a, a brother from another mother, got a Brian Robinson. Uh, we are becoming fast friends, and I'm so glad you have uh, come on my podcast. Uh, welcome. Thank you, Troy. I am honored to be invited. Really looking forward to the convo. So uh, he runs a, a podcast called Real Faith Stories that actually I was a guest on. And um, and I, I'm just going to take a moment. Let's take a moment aside and have a heart to heart with my listeners. This show is so much like the kindling fire, um, but it's better. <laughs> and here's oh, why. That. Yeah, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it. The quality is just impeccable. So here, here's and and the uh, the spiritual quality and the produ production quality. I've been on a lot of podcasts and I've never been on a podcast as good as real faith stories. Um, he, he, you spend so much time really getting to know the guests, really wanting to hone in the message of what their testimony is going to be. And then you just do an exceptional job on the back end. And it's guys, if you like the kindling fire, please go listen to the shows. He's had guests on like Matt, Tommy, who I've had on and Alan Arnold and, and uh, Jamie Winship and other people. So we've had like-minded guests. Um, I, there's one other guy out of Austin. I can't remember his name right now. Um, the um, anyway, whatever. So I can't remember his name. That guy. Yeah, that guy. He's been on there. And, uh, and so I just want to brag on your podcast, like uh, for my listeners, uh, guys, it's just that good. And uh, I don't say that lightly. It, I'm I, it's really good. And I've obviously told you this offline as well. So thank you so much, Troy. Appreciate yeah. that. So today, but you get to you get to be on the hot seat which uh, is so fun because sometimes when you're on the backside, you know, you get to ask the questions that kind of create the environment, but it, that's my job now. So I get to return the favor <laughs> for you, Brian. You. And so, uh, so I've talked to you about, uh, talked to them about your podcast, obviously. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit more about sort of your personal life and some of your business life as well? Yeah. Yeah. I am the father of eight children the husband of an amazing wife, Cindy. We live in the Oklahoma City area. And it's funny, every time I say I have eight kids, something inside of me goes, really? <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> that twitch, that twitch is going to go away. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so um, did the four-year college thing, met my wife in college in Indiana, Valparaiso University. We um, I started right out of college with Coca-Cola USA, the corporate fountain arm, going head to head against Pepsi in several markets, several states, left them, 
uh, went to work with Johnson and Johnson, four divisions with them. Three of those were startups primarily in the operating room with surgeons, training them on advanced techniques, et cetera. And then I kind of got to a place where I was tired of building equity in a large company. And so I decided to leave and join a friend of mine who was uh, starting a company and um, <laughs> thought I knew how to sell because I had the awards to so basically prove it. <laughs> right. Yeah, but man, it was the most humbling experience, but the greatest thing I ever experienced. And so um, I'm still involved in that company. And it's, it's dramatically shifted some stuff in my life as a result. So that's just in a nutshell, the family and the, and the work thing. Yeah. So I love that um, God pushes us out of the boat or calls us, he probably, but probably not best to say push, but he, he strongly invites us yeah. <laughs> out of the boat uh, to be like Peter, to walk on water, to do things that people um, don't always do. And, and uh, in men's circles and podcasts and books and stuff, there's so much material there about your self-confidence and, you know, sort of like if you can be just uh, audacious enough to just believe in yourself, then you could just say these mantras and be a millionaire, right? And huh. be a self-made man, be the poster child for the American dream. And um, it's a bunch of BS as far as I'm concerned. And but I love that men are drawn to risk and God is a God of calling you out into adventure, calling you out to risk, but it's not dependent on your own, you know, how much you can, you know, talk yourself into thinking that you're amazing or your pride mm. or your skill, talents and abilities. It's about giving God our yes and then leading us into that adventure. And you've had leaving corporate America was an adventure for you. Uh, and I mean, we're going to find out how much of an adventure here in a moment, but the thing I want to start with was how God led you actually through a dream to kind of help you make it that transition. Yeah. I, um, was in the midst of, with, with my wife praying through whether we should leave Johnson and Johnson and join a firm. And your listeners are going to love this, a firm that sells on hold messages. Yeah, that. And um, <laughs> from surgeons, <laughs> exactly. From <laughs> surgeons to on hold messages, really? Yes. And so we prayed for about four months. And I remember near the end of making that decision, I had this dream. And I've only had about three dreams that I vividly remember in my life. And this was one of them. The dream was I was walking into a cinder block building in a line of hundreds of men. And this was during the time, well, and I remember this was a two-year commitment. The draft back in the day was a two-year commitment, right? When your draft mm -hmm. number was called. And so I had the sense that I was drafted and now I was walking in to get my boots and my fatigue. So all, the, all of us men are lined up in boxer shorts. We walk into the cinder block building. There's a bare light bulb ahead, up, up above on the cinder block ceiling. And this lady is sitting on a stool and the perspective is I'm looking way up at her and she leans down and hands me my boots and my fatigues. And she says this, Mr. Robinson, you will no longer eat when you want to eat, drink when you want to drink or do what you want to do from now on. As she hands me the, the stuff, you will do exactly 
what we tell you to do. And my dream ended. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So I get up, I'm journaling and I'm like, what is this Lord? And what it came down to was I was getting ready to enter a season of no turning back for at least two years, no matter what, right? I was being drafted. Mm. And I can't tell you when I made that decision to go forward, how many times I wanted to leave, but only because of that dream, I stayed. I had recruiters calling me almost every other week, asking me to come back into the medical industry with really good paying opportunities. But I just said, no, because I knew God spoke to my heart. Mm. Yeah. So one of the things that you, you highlighted in that is that, you know, God is so much about our character, right? You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's going after, he's going after so much more than, oh, will I be successful? And will God pr bring provision? And, you know, will I have some sort of leisurely life with vacations? You know, <laughs> it's just like, God is going after like gold, you know, God's mm -hmm. going after generations of, of, of value that gets translated down to our children and our children's children. Like God is up to so much more than yeah. this little life and what we find to be valuable or comfortable. And so you highlighted to me that, um, in prep for the show, that some of what God has showed you was through pain. And, uh, so can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think the best way to summarize this is I'll never forget walking in to my oldest daughter's dorm room when she was starting her first year of college and her roommate had put up a large wooden um, etching and I walked in, it said embrace struggle and it spoke to me so deeply. It was, it was like, I don't want to believe that. But I know that's how we go forward in our lives is embracing struggle. So that's the essence of what I was, he was wanting me to learn in this process. So I remember we would cold call banks and credit unions. And um, if we didn't sell, we didn't need. It was straight up commission sales coming from a cushy corporate job, company car, all the bennies. <laughs> right. And there were times, Troy, I would pull over to the side of the road, um, driving 1,000 to 1,500 miles a week. And I would just cry out to God for help. I was, I was undone. I had nowhere else to go. I knew I couldn't leave. And I just cried out to God. And he showed up and he would help me make the sale. I had no idea how I was going to close deals. He would teach me. He would reveal things to me. Uh, it was years of pain and suffering, but it was also years of drawing closer to him as a result of that pain, suffering, and embracing struggle. So uh, it may on the outside look really hard, but the truth is he was developing something in me that allowed me to walk with him as opposed to looking at him as some, as some effervescent being in the sky, it became real. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that's striking me is that you were quote unquote, a successful or capable or incompetent salesperson in different environments. And then God put you in a situation where, where you talked about it being humbling. Mm. Um, 
that is a very like that specific scenario. God takes something that is a strength. And then all of a sudden you're like, can I not do this anymore? Like, mm. like, like it's, there's, can you describe a little bit of that refining? Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's, I hope you understand kind of where I'm going with that is that, you know, it's not like he is trying to wipe away our skills or talents or how he's created us. You understand kind of where I'm going? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a story that really embodies that. We had, at the time I started working with my friend to start this company, we had six children. About two, three months into it, my wife is pregnant. Find out about six months in with the ultrasound, she's pregnant with twins. (laughs) So here I am driving 1,000 to 1,500 miles a week. My wife is drowning at home with eventually the twins, of course, were born. And I had to get off the road. So I was sending out cassette uh, CDs to banks in a several state area with testimonies from other bankers about our service. I had a whiteboard in my office and I would write down who I was going to send it to, who I was going to call as, as a follow-up. And it was, it was, it was a slog. I was not getting a whole lot of traction, but this was all I knew to do at the time to try to get off the road. Hmm. And my wife came over to the office to bring lunch. My lunch was two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I sit in the car with her. I'm, <laughs> I'm eating the PBJ and I start weeping. Whew. And I just remember the feeling of knowing again, I could not leave. <clears throat> I had to persevere. And the only way it was going to happen was by trusting God to, to bring me through it. So I had my cry. I wiped my tears off and I went back in the office and kept calling and things started to work. But that's just a picture of the type of experience I was having almost weekly with a sense of utter inability in myself to do this and my absolute need to cry out to him, to help me, to guide me, to give me wisdom. I couldn't rely on my past capabilities or accolades. It meant nothing in this environment. I mean, I I was training surgeons, dude. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Now I can't even sell on hold messages. (laughs) Yeah. So um, why do you think the Lord was, was trying to teach you endurance? I mean, that's what I hear the Lord was teaching you, especially kind of setting the stage for this is an endurance race, Mm. right? You are, you are being taught perseverance. Like what was, what was that something you needed? Like what's your perspective on it now? I think there are multiple facets of what he was, the reason he was doing this and trying to create endurance. I think one was to, to impress upon me my utter and absolute need for him. Mm-hmm. Not, not a 20% need or 50% need, but a hundred percent need. The other was he was building in me a character of perseverance that my children were going to see. I remember my two oldest sons at the time, they were 12 and 14. Um, I would go to their room weekly 
We, we set a time on Sundays to worship and pray together. And I remember asking them to lay hands on me and pray for me. I was very real about the stuff I was dealing with. I wasn't dumping everything on them, but I was specific about things I needed in work, leads, you know, deals to close, and they would lay their hands on me and pray for me. And they saw the results of that too. So it humbled me in front of my children, my young men, and helped them see that this is where they need to turn as well. So I had a revelation, um, I don't know, probably about a week ago, that uh, my family and I had been, were missionaries. And in that opportunity, there was sickness, difficulty, weakness, uh, physical weakness, spiritual weakness. Um, and we were having to do ministry three times a day. Mm. This is preaching, evangelism, praying for the sick. And this was like a marathon, like we were doing three times a day ministry as four families um, and, and kids, but our kids were the oldest. Uh, and we would, and I, we were in charge, my wife and I. And so we had to be, we would get up and say, well, okay, this week, it looks like, you know, whatever, 20 ministry things we've got to do this week. We're wiped out. We're tired. We're sick. And, and I remember one meeting I said, well, who wants to preach? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's really open to anybody, like anybody. And my 14 year old son said, I'll preach. Mm. He had never preached in his life. He, I wouldn't say he was a super like, you know, like church guy or whatever, but he was in it with us, you know, as missionaries. He's like, I'll preach. I was like, all right. And so um, I kind of helped him along a little bit and he got up, gave a simple message um, and 30 people came to know the Lord. Wow. wow. And the revelation that God gave me was your weakness and dependency on me opened a door for your children to experience me in a new way. Wow. And so instead of having to be the, and this is a temptation for parents, right? We want to be the be all and end all. We're going to provide all the money. We're going to provide all the comfort. We're going to provide all the truth. We're going to provide everything. And then when we're in need, oh no, everything's going to fall apart as if God's not the God of your children. Mm -hmm. And so what I hear in your story is that you, God puts you at a deficit to give something to your children that they're going to say, wow, look what God did through our prayers. Look what God yes. did. He, he actually heard us. He actually answered and he actually did something for our dad who we care about. I mean, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Your yeah, perspective may be, why did I have to go through this? But I can, outsider looking in, that's what I say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Appreciate the perspective. I didn't yeah. see it till years later. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about this. Um, you know, you talk about teaching you an utter dependency on God. Um, I think some of the, the biggest temptations and challenges that men face is talent, opportunity, skill, less so than the temptation of struggle, pain, and suffering. Mm. Actually, struggle, pain, and suffering tends to draw us to God and say, God, I need you. Whereas success, talent, opportunity, you know, up into the right living 
we tend to, you know, can, we can believe our own press and kind of lean on it. Right. And so would you kind of share a little bit about the journey that God has been bringing you on in try to kind of allowing how he's really created you to not be undermined by sort of at a performance or a drive or trying to achieve something. Can you kind of share a little bit of that journey with us? Yeah. Um, I think really what re- what's happened recently and an experience I had in, is another instructive way to share that. I was invited onto a webinar and this is with a gentleman who's well-known, literally world-renowned in his marketing skills and talent brilliant guy. And he asked me to speak about my book, The Selling Formula, which was birthed out of this whole experience on the road that I'm sharing. And I know this stuff. I've been doing it for years. I wrote a book on it, for goodness sake. (laughs) And and I'm going to share the five components of the selling formula. Well, about an hour before the webinar started, I was, the stress was off the charts. I was literally laying on my bed a half hour before the webinar doing deep breathing exercises saying, God, help me get rid of this stress. And I felt like the Lord was saying, I am going to teach you something through this. Well, that's great. But can you get rid of this? I'm confessing (laughs) the word and all this stuff. Nothing's happening. I get on the webinar. I feel like I'm completely screwing it up because I know in my mind what I want to say but I'm in my lizard brain because I'm stressed. I'm in fight or flight mode and I can't think hardly. Yeah. I didn't feel like I could. Right. Right. So anyway, when it was all said and done, I, I got a very fine compliment from the gentleman I did this with, which was the opposite of the way I felt. But what happened was I was so exhausted. I actually went to bed at seven forty-five that night from the adrenaline that was hitting me so hard. And I knew the next morning I was going to be able to journal through this and hear what God's lesson was. And when I discovered after four pages over an hour of journaling and just bringing this before the Lord, because I said to myself, I don't ever want to experience this again. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, when you try to perform, it actually subtracts from who you really are. It's adding stuff on top of who I made you to be. And he said, you are enough. And it was like a a complete revelation. And so I, I prayed and I renounced this performance mentality I've had for the majority of my life. And there was something, honestly, Troy, that shifted in me. And there's a freedom that's come because I don't have to perform anymore. Does that help answer your question? Yeah, so good. I, I remember when the Lord was like, I would evaluate my day um, based on how well I did as far as productivity goes. Um, mm-hmm. How much did I produce? How much did I, um, how much did I produce? What did I get done today? And I remember the Lord ministering to me saying, you're more than your productivity. Like your life is not you plus productivity equals good. Mm. It was just you you, I have redeemed you. I have chosen and, and you're a part of my family and God was ministering because so much of my DNA was a performance, but it was related to productivity. Like that's kind of like my, my go-to strength. 
and God was, was putting me in situations where I was less productive and it was mm. messing with my identity <laughs> Yeah, because I was like, this is who I am. This is what I do. Why are you, you know, getting in the way of, you know, this source of life in my life? And he's like, cause I want to show you that you're more valuable than that. Wow. You know, which sets me free. I mean, sure. If you're 20 and you have opportunity and you're productive, you live off that a long time. You're 60 and you're less productive or 70 and you're less productive. What are you depressed now? You're just setting yourself up for depression, you know, because you just can't be as fast or as strong as you used to be. And God's like, I'm going to set you free from the whole equation. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to set you free from that equation. That's what it felt like. Yeah, well, well, it's, uh, I mean, I know this is fresh for you, you know, as far as that, uh, the idea that it is subtracts from who you are. I mean, that is profound. I've never heard it. Well, God, God is so eloquent, you know, when he really drops yeah. something in, you're just like, wow, could I have said it better? No, God, that was really <laughs> good. But just what was more of your understanding of that? Because I think that would really help people as you unpack even more that, that Mm -hmm. the Lord showed you. What the Lord started to review after that experience in my mind was I started to recount those experiences in my life where I was feeling similar amounts of stress. Mm. I I remember I was at a a regional competition for Toastmasters for public speaking and the stress was off the charts, but it was performance. The Lord showed me again, that was, you were trying to perform. Mm-hmm. There, there are experiences where I was presenting before a board of directors at a bank, you know, our services and so on. And of course, you know, there's, there's stress with that. That's a normal stuff. But there's a whole other level of stress when you're trying to be something mm-hmm. else. Because I feel like, you know, if somebody finds out who I really am, right. that's kind of in the background, Right then they won't like me. They'll, they'll reject me. Mm -hmm. Um, And what, what I am coming to understand is it doesn't matter. God created me with a a special message and a special purpose and a gifting and just let it out. Yeah. That doesn't mean you don't prepare. Okay. But it doesn't mean you, you have to over-prepare either because then that gets into performance. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's all tied to identity. Mm -hmm. It's operating out of like, and I know that feeling, you know, when you're like, I need to deliver because everything's on the line. And if I don't deliver, that's really going to, I'm going to be exposed for maybe the fraud. I feel like I am or the, position, the, the imposter syndrome kind of thing or whatever. And, um, and the Lord all the time, all the while is trying to be like, no, like I've put gifts, talents, abilities, callings, mission, desires, skills. I've put it all in you. You know, it's sort of like we have that Peter scripture that says uh, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Mm-hmm. You know, he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And we always look at it as, oh, for godliness, right? You know, God's helping me be godly. God's helping me go to church more. God's helping me pray more, read the Bible more. Or, But no, it says he's given us everything for life. 
that could be things in your work, in things in the community, in things in your family, in things that are just maybe not quote unquote spiritual, uh, which is not true, but um, but he's given us all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I love that it's that that he said the performance subtracts from who you are. And we think it adds because we think we start at a depth, we starting at a lower point. And he's like, no, your starting point is a lot better and you're actually subtracting. I and mean, that's just a different way to look at it. I needed to hear it that way because I always felt like if I was hyped up enough, psyched up enough, you know, yeah. from sports. Right then I'm going to perform better. Yeah. No, not true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, I had an experience and I'm you're being a speaker. You've probably had this experience where I don't get to speak a lot in different, in public settings. And I always envision it to be a very emotional experience, you know, like just the, a, a euphoria, a hype, like a very heightened, like sense of like, like getting pumped up for a big football game, you know, it's just, you're just like, you know, and now I'm going to speak. And, and I recently did it and I came back going, wow, that just felt like, like I was just giving information. Like it was just Mm. out of my head. It it was good, but I didn't have any emotional tie to it. And it was unusual to me. Uh, But it, but people responded as if it was good. And so I think, it's sort of like, does God need, if you're going to give the word of God and you're going to give a truth from the word of God, does God need your emotions or is the word enough? Come on. You I know, know you're saying? going with this. Yes. You know, yes. it's like, it does God need you all hyped up or is the word enough or are even what he's given you and trained you in enough? Mm-hmm. Like emotions are great. Like I'm a super emotional guy. I love emotions, but but I believe for, I've come to realize that, yeah, like I rely on way too much to give me a sense of where I'm at. Good, bad with God. Was that effective? I mean, can you relate to any of that? Does that make oh, sense? A hundred percent. I, you know, i what springs to mind is the statement of there, here are the circumstances and here is the fact of the word of God. Mm. What are you going to look at? And back to your point about speaking the word of God, heaven and earth, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of the letter of the law, God's word to fail. (laughs) It doesn't matter how you deliver it. It's the word of God. And what I love too, is it won't return void. It'll accomplish the purpose for which it's sent. It's living, it's active. Uh, So I loved what you shared about that. Yeah. You know, I, so I got another opportunity to, to share and in preparation, kind of with this lesson learned in preparation, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you are not going to feel emotional about this. You are not going to feel anything about this. You are to be obedient. You are to do what I've asked you to do. And you're not going to feel like anything. And, and it will accomplish what I meant for it to accomplish. So be obedient. And so I did. And I didn't feel anything. And, and sure enough, people were like, wow, that was really good. And I'm like, was it? Cause you know what I mean? It's like, I have no experience of it being good, but it was the word of God and it was true. And so people responded to it and it had nothing to do with sort of even me, if you will. Um, Cause I didn't feel like there was a whole much I added. I just kind of gave it, (laughs) 
I just spoke with a friend of mine about that exact same scenario. He was, he was asked to speak at a gathering in Switzerland. He's from California. Okay. He gets this all expense paid trip. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Five hours he's got on quote on stage. Definitely. Now this is, this was in a, um, I think some kind of a church setting. Yeah. And he's with his wife. It's like five days and he's like three days into it. And he says, I hate this trip. His wife's like, why? What, what is going on? Where everything's yeah. paid for. He goes, I don't know what I'm going to say. All the Lord told me was one question to ask and an intro sentence. And I have five hours I've got to fill. <laughs> oh, to be that guy. I'm so glad I'm not. But go, I love hearing the story. <laughs> Thank you for the story, Dave, my friend. Um, so he gets there and he's like, it's all I got. There's, I think there's like 40 people in the room or more. And he asks the question and then he goes around to each individual and asks them to give their feedback on the question. And the spirit of God falls on the room, everybody. And there is weeping and just this openness that's happening. And they brought the pastor in and prayed for him. And it was like nonstop for guess how long? Five hours. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I mean, that's, <laughs> is that not instructive? I, I love it. I, I mean, God, I, I guess the, the testimony, Brian, you're having about the stepping out you've done, the lessons you've learned in stepping out is, is God is more than able. Mm. God is more than capable and not in an esoteric, like you're God and you're capable and you're able but through us, in us, with us, like we're in that equation, right? He's, he's capable and able through us, with us, it's like in partnership with us. And I think sometimes I am way too, I give myself way too much credit to mess it up. Wow. That's well said. Yeah. You know, like, oh yeah, I'm definitely, I'm going to disrail, I'm going to derail the spirit of God. I'm going to derail <laughs> God's agenda. Like I'm going to, abs- I am so capable of, and it's sort of like, I don't think that I'm as capable as, as, uh, as I think I am, you know, <laughs> I'm just, as you're saying that I'm thinking of Noah mm. and you know, the hall, the hall of faith, Hebrews 11, it had never rained on the earth and God tells him to build an ark what? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about faith. Yeah. Yeah. You're not kidding. So if, if God gives you a sentence and that's all you've got to my point on the previous yeah. uh, story, it's easy to say, oh, then do that. But when you're in that, you know, I mean, you're, you're traveling to another country, they've paid all your expenses and you show up and you don't know. You really don't know what's going to happen if you just say that sentence and you still have five hours left. So there is a real faith step that has to be taken. But if that's all you got, that's all you got. What are you going to do? You know, I'm going to borrow completely from uh, a man that I've been really impressed or not impressed. That's that's ill stated. I've been honored to to be able to sit under his teaching. He's passed away now. It's a guy named Brian Brent. And he said, why is there not a hall, uh, a um, hallmark or a museum of, of love in Hebrews 11? Mm. Why isn't like a museum or a, 
you know, a celebration of love. Why is it a celebration of faith? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hallmark of faith because there's so little of it <laughs> in, in humanity. And, I, and the thing that, that I love about your friend's story was that he went with it. I've got a, I've got a question in a sentence. Let's go, right? Mm-hmm. I've got enough faith to just, I don't, I'm, maybe I'm afraid, whatever, but I'm, I've got enough faith to, to lead out with that. And I think so much of our God's call with us is, I'm going to give you a little. Now go with what I got. Have faith in the little you have and go with that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why there's this Hebrews 11, right? It's not about there's, I think all of us love God, but I wouldn't say all of us have faith in God really when, yeah. when rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, and wanting to know way more information than God wants to give us, we have to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you shared with me, there was a gentleman with YWAM that said, if you have 51%, yeah, go with it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, if, you, if you believe God's leading you and you're 51% sure, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Very risky advice. <laughs> and I will cheer you on. <laughs> Wait. So I, I want to end with this, Brian. So, so just being sort of of the you know, cut from the same cloth as far as really desiring others to fulfill their God-given purpose and in in the vision God has given them. What is it that you would want to kind of leave our my listeners with and just kind of like your heart and and maybe even what you've seen as you've, you know, kind of stepped out and try to do that through I think you do coaching. Do you do coaching? Professional um, coaching? Not as a full-time gig. Okay. More as a um, friendly, friendly thing. A friendly coach, uh, but yes. even through your podcast, um, I mean, you have that passion. How would you, how would you encourage the listeners, um, you know, as we kind of wrap up? Yeah. I'd like to wrap up with this story about purpose. I have yeah. been passionate about purpose my whole life. I actually own the domain. You don't, don't go there. It's not live, but I've had it for years. Discovermypurpose.com. It was live for a while. And I remember coming to a point where I'm going to, I was thinking, God is going to show me my purpose. And I went on a fast and I was seven days into my fast. And as I mentioned, we have a lot of children. So we went to Chuck E. Cheese for a birthday party with one of the kids. God bless you. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm standing there. My wife orders the pizza. It shows up. And I said, I'm not going to have any pizza. And the Holy Spirit interrupted my thought and said, eat a piece of pizza. You've made finding your purpose an idol. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I had the pizza. The point is we can make, we're so wrapped up with what's my purpose. What's my call. And I think God, it, it, well, we know it's to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, you know, preach the gospel. That's our purpose as believers. Yeah. Ultimately, in terms of the context of, of our vocation, I think that's what a lot of us are wondering. Mm. And I, I feel like if we will take those steps we just talked about, if the Lord gives you a nudge, just say yes. I think God works wonderfully when we just give him our yes. That's been the biggest takeaway I've had as a podcast host with the amazing people I've spoken with. Give him your yes 
and he will do amazing things with it. And you will find yourself on this trajectory of a life that's doing things with God, which is far more valuable than anything you could try to engineer up here. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. And, uh, I, I think that, uh, I love that God <laughs> it makes me laugh that God would say, you've made this an idol, eat a pizza, pizza. That's the for real for sure. <laughs> <laughs> really? Absolutely. So, uh, Brian, if you don't mind, just kind of in and off, maybe say a prayer for, for the, for the listeners as, as you know, we've, we've covered a lot of ground today, but I, it's been so good. Um, loved having you on. So if you wouldn't mind just in and up and it's off in prayer. Sure. I'd be honored. Thanks. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are sovereign ruler over the realm of mankind. We turn our palms up. I pray for everyone watching this or listening to this and encourage you to turn your palms upward. Let go of what you're grasping onto so hard because Jesus wants to do something amazing when you let go of your life and the things that you hold so dearly. So I pray for that and peace over everyone in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And as a reminder, go to realfaithstories.com because there's some amazing stuff there and go check out his podcast. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes, that would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.